0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Glad that you're here today and glad that you're entering into this very awesome and challenging, exciting season with us as we talk about rest and following Jesus uh, into it. You know, as we we begin this uh, Sabbath journey, I want you to think about breathing. Um, It's not something that we think about. Very often, it's happening all the time, it's literally keeping us alive But the way that our minds have been formed by God We don't have to consciously tell ourselves to do it, which is nice Uh, It just happens But if you will, take just a moment with me and bring your attention to your breathing You can actually control it And so I'd like you to think about it with me and let's just breathe in together All right, here we go, one, two, three, breathe in Breathe out and stop. <laughs> breathe in. <gasps> okay. Did we lose anybody? Are we good? Are we good? Uh, yeah, John said, stop breathing. You want to stop breathing? Um, <clears throat> now, we, we did a little pause there in the middle. And what's interesting about that is when we bring our minds to the reality of breathing and then we pause for that long in between, we go, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. We, we, we breathe again right now, right? Uh The strange thing about it is, in your average cycle of breathing, the average human being has a time which they breathe in, a time which they breathe out, and a time which they pause in between that breath. And that time of the pause is actually longer on average than both the time you breathe in and the time you breathe out put together. You have a space that is built into the rhythm of your body where you just pause and stop. And, and, Uh, those who study respiratory uh, health will tell you that it is in the pause where respiratory health is formed and where health is renewed and strengthened inside of the body the pause is powerful the pause is powerful did you feel it just for a second there did you feel it there's power in a pause let's pray together and ask God to bless us as we seek his truth and understanding on this power father we thank you this morning as we come to this place father we say lead on good shepherd lead on Father, we follow after you and we see the example of your son, the things that he taught, the things that he embodied, and we just want to be a people who says, yes, Lord, wherever you go, we will go, whatever you say, we will do. Father, we call you, we call you good, Father. We call you a good good, good Lord. We, we, we call you a good God. And we say to Jesus, Jesus, you are a good Savior. You have saved us. But Father, we also want to call Jesus our good Lord that we follow after. And so help us today to follow in the steps of our Savior and the rhythms you have created. In Jesus' name, amen. At MBA, we follow Jesus. Say it again. At MBA, we follow Jesus, right? One more time. At MBA, we follow Jesus. Jesus Jesus reveals himself to us. He is the eternal word of God, the power of creation. God come to us in the flesh, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for sin, rose again in physical body, defeated the great enemy, death. It has no sting. He has removed the sting of death itself. And in the process, he provided salvation from sin and death in eternity. But he also provided salvation from the death in our everyday life and yes our bodies are still facing the reality of the brokenness of this world but even though death will come to this physical body it will have no sting on me then and therefore it has no sting on me now he came not to bring us a get out of hell free card But admittance into the kingdom of God right now. A pathway to life and life to the full right now. A life full of meaningful work and meaningful rest. And so we're not just those who uh, make a transaction to get eternal safety from eternal death. We don't just say, okay, now if you're inspired, come forward, get in the water, come up out of the water, okay, we're all good. We are those who follow the one who made the call of his ministry, follow me. Yes, he is Savior. Yes, he is the one who gives salvation, but he is also Lord. And if you only get saved, you will only have hope of getting out of a really bad situation someday. But if you follow Jesus as he has called you to do, you will have hope for every moment of your life and an eternal joy to look forward to in eternity with him forever one day. But that begins right now. And so we enter today into a study of the practice of one affirmative response to Jesus when he says, follow me. And that response is to Sabbath. What is Sabbath? sabbath well today we're just going to lay the biblical foundation for the act of sabbath and so we're going to begin right at the beginning of the book in genesis chapter one where it all begins so turn there with me please in your bible you can look on your phone or whatever you have with you to be able to to read along To genesis chapter one and we're going to start right there in verse one in the beginning verse 1 Genesis 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light so here's the question and it's kind of a trick question so be careful what does God create first? Careful, careful now, because I think what we would most likely say is, we read verse three and he says, let there be light, and there was light. Right? That would be the first thing that he created. And it seems that way, except look back up into verse two and look at the way the author, most likely Moses, is telling us this narrative in this moment of creation Verse two: If light was the first thing God created, where did this earth and darkness and deep and water come from? Did God already create the earth and then He just turned on the light? Kapling, All right? Well, let's keep reading and we'll get a clue. Look, look in verse four, okay? Uh, verse four. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning on the first day. In that order, darkness and light is the day. Okay, let the dry land appear. Third day, right? And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters were gathered together. He called them seas, and God saw that it was good. And then we have plants sprouting up vegetation. So when does the earth show up? It shows up. The dry land we see on day three. So go back up into verse two now. The earth was without form. So it's not talking about dry land here in verse 2. It's something else. And when you read the context of this presentation of creation in the book of Genesis, when you read it amongst all of the book of Genesis, what we see over and over is a theme that God is preparing the land for men and women. He's getting this place prepared for them to inhabit and dwell in it. The land becomes the inheritance of Adam and Eve, and there they work and they garden and they garden it. And God does the same thing later for Abraham. He sends him into a land set aside for him. He does the same thing later for Moses, going through the chaotic waters into toward the promised land does the same thing for Joshua after the Moses thing doesn't work out great they cross the river into the land that is being prepared so we see this theme over and over again God is moving people toward a land of promise a land of rest verse 2 tells us then about the condition of the land and the water before God starts his preparatory work for a man to come And it's as if we get a picture here. Now, I can't can't even imagine the scope of all the universe, so we're trying to put this into our little human brains. But somehow God creates the material that will be created. Or in a sense, he makes some kind of a clay to form into that which is creation. This morning, as your, Derek will share, at the end of the service, our children are getting a little lump of clay, and we have an activity for them in their Sabbath practice with your families to give them something to, to work on and to actually experience this forming of material into something wonderful. But he is crafting this clay. That's what God is doing. He's molding beauty out of what is essentially Chaos and that's the image being drawn in Genesis chapter 1 completeness from chaos often in scripture we will see mundane things taken and connecting us to deep spiritual realities like a rainbow which you might be amazed by it like it's beautiful but essentially it's something that can happen often when rain and light get in the right position but that mundane thing the thing that happens naturally God takes and connects us to a deep spiritual reality a covenant promise he takes bread which is you know bread and he says this is an example of my presence among my people he uses also interesting things mundane things like numbers sometimes speaking of completeness do you know what number we see over and over in the Bible that is representative of completeness. Anybody know? Yeah, that's right. Seven. Yeah. Seven, the number of completeness. Now, we have to be a little careful when we start getting into numerology and in scripture. We can take it too far because sometimes there's just seven doxins and that's it. Look at those dogs. They're cute. Okay. But Very often, God is helping us to see a bigger picture out of this mundane, seemingly mundane number. For example, Exodus 22, animals had to be at least seven days old before they could be used in temple sacrifice. 2 Kings 5, Naaman had to bathe seven times in the Jordan in order to be cleansed from his leprosy. Not five times, not six times, the seventh time he comes up clean. Joshua 6, Joshua was to march around the city of Jericho seven days and on the seventh day make seven trips around the city and then blow seven trumpets. And there are many more examples, seven pairs of each clean animal on the ark, seven lampstands on the tabernacle, seven qualities of the Messiah in the book of Isaiah, seven parables in Matthew 13, seven letters to seven churches, seven spirits before the throne of God, seven golden lampstands there amongst them, seven stars in Christ's right hand, seven seals in God's judgment, seven angels, and seven trumpets in the end. And that's not even the beginning of the references to the multiplication of seven in the Bible that shows up over and over each of those examples though each of those examples of seven signifies a completion of some time a finishing a completed product and so back to creation then where it all started where the first seven shows up God creates the world in how many days now be careful this is another trick question how many days does he complete the world in ah you're on top of it good six days six days creates man on the sixth day revelation tells us that six is the number of man and satan Uh uh-oh so, man is not equal to God. Man falls short of God. Satan is not equal to God. God finishes the action of creation in six days, but six is not the number of completion. Each of the six days concludes with the same phrase there was evening and there was morning. And that's how the day works in Scripture night. And day, when the light ends, the day is over. Begins with the darkness, ends with the light. And you would think that would come again in the text as we read about the seventh day, but it does not show up because there's something different about the seventh day. Something new happens. Read with me in Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them now now careful here or we'll miss something what day are we on right now still day six right it appears that creation is complete on day six we even get a word there finished what is finished Well, the sky and the land, all that stuff, all that moldable clay from verse 2 in chapter 1, all the chaos has been put into order. So why isn't six completion? Well, this is the key. It is because the work is finished, but God is not the work is finished but God is not the product is complete but God's process is not and here's where we learn a lot about ourselves because we in western culture in America are very much about the product we are very much about what we produce with our lives we ask questions like, what can we make for ourselves and our families? What kind of world, what kind of life can we build? What kind of meaning can we create? What kind of wealth can I amass? What kind of legacy can I leave to my children? And when we talk in these terms, we most often are talking about product items, not process items the product is important right god gets to the end of each day and he goes that's good that's good it's good stuff but remember that he created time as well and saw that it was good but what we tend to do is we examine the product and we miss the most important element of it all and that is that which makes it complete and that which makes it blessed and that which makes it holy See, we are very, very focused on things, thingness in our culture. In fact, we look at time almost as this frustrating element of the world that gets in the way of our thingliness, as Abraham Heschel calls it. We'll say things like, man, I just there is not enough time in the day, right? I wish I had one more day in the week. I am running out of time i just this so frustrating i wish i had more time well i i I tell you what I, i could but i'm just not available i don't have the time 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 is an inconvenience it's a frustration because we are focused on product and what can be produced and time well that's just the frustrating element involved God has a very different perspective on the world than we do in our culture. And that's why what we're stepping into is a countercultural action. And that's why for many of us, this is going to be very hard because we have built our lives around avoiding the frustration of time to get the product done and missing the beauty and the intention of the holiness of time you see God did not call he called things in creation good but he did not call it holy set apart blessed until he got to the seventh day on the seventh day verse two in chapter two God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now this is really significant because the first thing in creation that God calls holy is not a thing. I mean, you would think that he would go and he created the garden. Oh, and he named it holy because he walked there amongst God's people. The garden was blessed. Nope. good and and, and he created um, he created dogs man's best friend and of all the animals they would lick their face and love them and so he called the dog holy especially the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel except for when it eats a ball of yarn and then has to go have it taken out of its stomach and surgical procedure and cost me my down payment on my car anyways never mind Sometimes the stage is a nice place to get your frustrations out. Okay, just bear with me. He doesn't call anything holy. He calls time holy. In fact, there's nothing in creation that God is going to name holy until Moses goes up on a hill and gets the law, and he comes back, and what does he find? Do you remember what his brother's doing down there? Remember what he did? They just come out of hundreds of years of captivity in an idol-worshiping culture, and it took like five minutes for them to forget the identity of their god and so they made a calf and they said hey we made this gold calf it's what brought us out of egypt and you remember moses reaction he does the the face palm emoji right and god says you dummies you have called a thing holy i am holy and so he says here's what i'm going to do i'm going to create a thing a place And I will call it holy so you won't get confused because you're so thingly oriented. And so there is a holy of holies created in the tabernacle that will eventually become a place in the temple that is a place, a thing that is holy because of the way man's mind is built. But before a thing was holy, a day, a day, Now that God has created the seventh day and he has rested in it and he has named it holy and blessed, God's product and his process is complete because he added rest. And this is the day, again, the only day that's blessed. He has his specific favor, and it is set apart for a purpose. There's a rhythm, a literal rhythm that God built into his creation. Now, question, does God need rest? <laughs> no, he never slumbers. He never sleeps. God is not in need of a moment with a glass of iced tea to go, whew, that was rough. That Milky Way galaxy, I mean, took me a minute. Oh, but he builds it in for our sake and then we are created in the image of this God and so isn't that what we do in our lives if you think about it isn't that what our week looks like don't we take things that need to be molded into, from, from chaos into order I mean, I mean do you have a laundry room I have a laundry room It is in need of being molded into order. And that's a part of what we do during the week. Do you have a stack of bills? I have a stack of bills, and we go in, and we cut them open, and we pay them, and we mold into order the world around us. Do we have a hurting friend? I saw this happen this week. I was so thankful. I won't out anybody, but i have just a friend going through a rough time. We see that. We take them out to lunch, care for them. You have a yawning child or grandchild in the morning, you gotta get them to school. We have an objective from our boss that needs to get completed, the doctor's appointment that needs to be visited, homework assignment gets filled in, the car needs to be purchased for the wife so she can safely get to work. The dog needs to be fed both his food and his medicine. We gotta craft some order into the chaos. We gotta check in on mom because though we've moved away, we want to maintain the quality of that relationship and care. For her, I need to read a chapter in my Bible today so that I can become closer to Christ and know Him better. We are taking the clay of the world and molding it into order just like our Father does. Aren't we taking the unformed and making it whole? Aren't we taking chaos and crafting it into order? So here's the question and that concern When do you finish doing that? When are you done? Like, do you finish all of the work getting your kid crafted into an adult human being on Thursday? Oh, like, do you this is all of your laundry accomplished on Wednesday? Like, is that when the whole room is clear and it's all folded and beautiful? What what day of the week is that for you? <laughs> well, I've raised the perfect children, so I I mean I can, so I could tell you that's already done. my kids are amazing I love each of them but work in progress right when are you done well here's the answer you ain't never done you're never done the popular answer in our culture to this issue is then you know what I'll sleep when I'm dead I'll rest when I'm dead well here's the thing about that philosophy and what we have found more and more as our culture has adopted this idea product, 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 product is when you ascribe to that as the answer for the busyness and the fullness of life studies tell us that you will in fact get your rest sooner than the average person you will die faster in other words this attitude I'll rest when I'm dead is actually killing people early You're going to find more about this in your study this week and in your groups, and I'm so excited for that because it's so challenging to what we've been taught is healthy. It's an attitude that says the finished product means you are done. It's a belief in six-day completion of creation. But that's not complete according to God. It's a belief that the product is more important than the process. And here's the problem. You and I know it. The work's never finished. So the only way to rest, to follow the rhythm that God put into our life, is if we do it on purpose. If we actually just say, now is when I stop. One of the practices we have in the bush house is we move into Sabbath, uh, that we do, and not every week, but... Uh, We we have different rituals to send us into our Sabbath, but often we have a box, and every week we put our, our cell phones into it. But quite often, we also have little slips of paper, and we write down onto them the things that we are anxious about that we did not get to complete this week in our product phase of the week and we put them in the box, and we say, Lord, that is yours. I trust you with that. It's sometimes hard for your minister because i got to preach in a day from there, and sometimes it's the sermon that's not done. But (laughs) I trust you, Lord, because if I don't, what I'm indicating is that it's all about me and what I can produce, and I have to trust you. I have to be able to rest. i got to be able to create space in my life where I actually trust you, and not me. Otherwise, I won't even rest when I do because it's never done. The only way you can rest is if you do it on purpose. The only way you can follow the rhythms of grace is if you follow God's rhythm built into creation. The only way to rest is to understand what completion means to God, not to Our modern culture Completion is not about finishing a project Completion is about finishing a process And the process includes Holy, blessed, trusting Rest See, Sabbath, Shabbat In Hebrew just means Stop Stop Pause Breathe again And that's where the health comes. And that's where we begin our journey here together with the practice of stopping. It is in the trusting God in stopping where we find the holy blessing in God. It's in the process of stopping that we find peace that we've been unable to attain by all of our work, even our success. Even if you did get every bit of laundry done, even if you did get every assignment accomplished, it might be satisfying, but it is not completing, is it? because there's something in me that says, it's not enough, I'm still nervous, there's still tension in me. And here's the thing, you are not able to attain peace and rest and purpose and fullness of life as Jesus describes it by your success and by your product production. You are not able to do that. You can't be satisfied in yourself. And the more you try to find peace in your own gimmicks and your own plans to provide it, the less that you will have. Look at the most successful people in our culture and I will show you the highest suicide rate. Because peace is in the rest that the provider provides. And the only way that we can find it is to live in the rhythm that he created into us. A rhythm of very meaningful, hard, intentional work, focused work, be where your feet are kind of work. But also focused and intentional, be where your feet are, rest. It has something to do with the product, but much more to do with the process. God built this into you and me in creation. Man worked the garden and he rested in the presence of God. And when man sinned, you know what happened? That rest got lost. How sad. But immediately God started building a pathway back to that rest. And so man toiled. He's literally now a slave to the ground. You remember the curse from creation that it would get harder to work the ground, rest would be harder to come by? What a penalty the rhythm of man got all messed up because of sin and we get focused on the things and so God starts building a way back to that and later on the people of God he says I'm going to do that through the, 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 the nation of Israel uh, the, they find themselves in captivity And God's going to bring them out now of that captivity and lead them to a land again of rest. And so they go through the chaos waters and they come out the other side and they begin a journey in the desert, don't they? And it would have been a quick one if they had just listened to him, but they don't. And so they wander. But in that, God gives them a gift. He gives them a rhythm of life. And he says, I command you to do this because I, even in my love for you and your resistance of me, I want you to experience a piece of that rest that's coming eternally for you one day. And so he says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. In the Ten Commandments, the lion's share of the Ten Commandments, the greatest percentage, the most amount of discussion and explanation of the Ten Commandments lands in Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You're going to find that out in your study this week as well. So the people are given this gift of rest, of the rhythm of life and rest. But guess what? They get to the promised land. They enter into it, into a land of rest, and they still don't follow God's laws. And what happens? They end up again in captivity, out of rhythm, slaves again to the land, no rest in it. And you can draw the connection with the amount of time they spend there and the amount of Sabbaths that they did not commit themselves to before they went into captivity. That's another really cool thing that we see. But the prophets begin talking, and they start telling the people, you know what, God is still building a path back to rest for you. And it's, he's coming. There's this Messiah that's going to come, and he's going to give us that rest. He's going to bring the hope of it. And so Jesus finally steps onto the scene, and he begins to speak and to share about rest that is coming. And he calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath, Matthew 12, 8. And Jesus brings order out of chaos And we start to see a picture of it And he says come with me And you'll live life to the full And so he comes He heals the sick He feeds the hungry He brings hope to the depressed And the anxious And he works and he rests And he works and he rests And he works and he withdraws And he enters in and he withdraws And there's a rhythm And he invites us into this lifestyle Of rhythms with his father And he provides the fullness of life now And a glimpse of forever fullness In the next but then he's killed and his work is seemingly ended or at least it seemed that way because Jesus died and he was laid to rest in a tomb on the Sabbath see Jesus went into rest from his labor and it seemed like that rest might be for good but on the eighth day the first day of the week he rises from the dead and he goes back to work and that's why the word liturgy the the word that the early church used for worship what we do when we get together it literally means work worship the work of worship that's what we do when we get in here on sunday we come alive and we begin our week in the work of worship that's going to happen in all of our lives, Just not just in songs and in response and in prayer and in communion, but as we step out into life in this place and the intentional work that we do and the rhythm that God has created, looking forward to the intentional work and the intentional rest, the rhythms of life that he has provided so we can also look forward to the one day eternal rest that we have in christ you see jesus accomplishes his work but the work doesn't quit because even though the promise is made and it is assured we're still in the wilderness aren't we we're still kind of like those children of israel we still struggle with the land that is still being formed and now we have the assured promise of eternal rest before us as we struggle toward that eternal rest with him. We experience just a piece of it when we rest in the rhythms of grace. And we follow the way of Jesus as he invites us to come to him, all you who are weary right now, and I will give you rest for your souls right now. Don't read that like, one day in heaven I'll give you rest. No, rest for your souls right now. Because he's talking about a rhythm of life that he's inviting us into. I'll give you rest right now. This is the rhythm and the plan that was in place from the beginning. He says if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're burned out on religion, come, come come to me, come to Jesus. Get away with Jesus. And you'll recover your life right now. He'll show you how to take a real rest right now. Walk with him right now and work with him right now. Watch how he does it. Watch how he did it right now. Walk with him right now. Learn what was built into you from the beginning, the unforced rhythms of grace. He's inviting you to a a journey that is a part of your soul. A lot of us walk into here with anxiety and concerns, and whether it is the weight of the world in your week and how I'm going to fit everything in, or some of us, it's kind of the opposite. There's a lot of space, and we don't know what to fill in that space. Jesus is inviting all of us to the rhythm of life that we were created for. And I think we've been missing it a lot of us in this culture. I know I have. And since, I'll just tell you, since we, my family, has committed to this since June of 2023, it's been transformative for me. I hope you can, I hope there's been a tangible way to see a little bit of that. Because my anxiety level is from here to here. My trust in the Savior and my connection with my God is from here to here and it's an ever-growing process and i'm so thankful that my wife is spearheading this sometimes i'm not you know totally geared up for sabbath and she is and our kids have been so great about joining in this with us putting their phones away and being together and trying to grow closer to the lord and rest in his rhythm and we invite you into that in this series to just start by stopping you're going to hear more about that in your groups this week we have a uh, several groups We did a lot of, of, of figuring and, and kind of con- confirmation And even added a group this week And consolidated a few And So we're really excited about them starting out today We have a few groups meeting today That are starting out We have about 20 all together and we are, There are a few open spots So if, if you still would like to get in on this If you're not committed yet Just talk to me, talk to Beth afterwards And we'll make sure that you are But I, I'm so excited to invite you to a journey That is built into you and that Jesus has welcomed us to by his teaching and by his example to begin by just stopping and resting in him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the invitation to a journey of fullness of life. Father, you did not have to give us the kind of blessing that you have in this life. You could have just said, follow me, do it, I'm God. And you have said that, and we say yes to that, Father, but you give good gifts in the process. And we're spoiled by it. We get to sing songs of praise now that could be totally unenjoyable for us to do. (laughs) You're just deserving of worship and honor, but you have given us the gift of enjoying song. And in the same way, Father, you could have said, you rest and you pay attention to me and you worship me, but you have given us the gift of enjoying rest. You love us so richly and lavishly. Help us, Father, to follow your rhythms, to say thank you, for all that you do and all you have given. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I began the weekly practice of Sabbath 15 long years ago. At the time, I was church planting and working six or even seven days a week straight, long hours, and I was under a ton of stress. And I noticed that year over year, I was becoming less loving, not more. And I was the pastor of the church. I was running on anger and on edge. I was worn thin. I did not have the energy to be present to my family, to my life, or even to my God. The practice of Sabbath changed the trajectory of my life. It was a before-after kind of scene moment in my spiritual journey. I will devote myself to this practice for the rest of my life because for me, without it, I simply cannot live and love even close to the way of Jesus.